Hello, I'm Phil Farrow, Chief Meteorologist at WSBN-TV in South Florida, and this is Weather or Not. This week marks the 30th anniversary of Hurricane Andrew. It began as a weak tropical wave off the west coast of Africa on the morning of August 14, 1992. South Floridians were enjoying warm and quiet weather. But a silent killer was just getting its act together. Thunderstorm activity became more concentrated along with developing spiral rain bands around the center of circulation. Let's now go to the National Hurricane Center and Dr. Bob Sheets. Uh, Dr. By uh, Sunday the 16th, meteorologists at the National Hurricane Center classified it as Tropical Depression 3. Even though strong upper-level winds were keeping it in check, the depression grew strong enough to become Tropical Storm Andrew. The system, however, was in a fight for its life. With 50 mile per hour winds, it moved northwest over the Atlantic, pushed along by high pressure. But it ran into a river of wind known as shear. That began to tear it apart. United States Air Force hurricane hunters were tasked with a recon mission to check up on Andrew's health. Once in the system, they reported back that Andrew lacked a well-defined center of circulation. This gave meteorologists pause as to whether or not the system was still viable. Another mission was set out the following day. It found that Andrew had all but practically weakened into a low-level spin. But in the upper levels of the atmosphere, Andrew was still looking good. It was down, but not out. Once the shear went away, Andrew took advantage and developed more rain and good outflow along its center. Satellite imagery detected an eye along with winds near 74 miles per hour, and thus Andrew was elevated to hurricane status on Saturday, August 22nd. Citizens in the Bahamas and South Florida were ambivalent about Hurricane Andrew. The initial forecast track at the system aiming towards Jupiter, Florida on the northern end of Palm Beach County. Many folks in Miami-Dade and Broward dismissed it and paid little attention. But late that day, Andrew began to move due west and traveled over an area favorable for intensification, reaching major status with Category 3 winds. Tropical storm warnings out. In fact, let's go ahead and take a look at the satellite loop. Look at the storm just spinning away as it moved towards South Florida. Winds continuing at 120 miles an hour. It's moving on that westward track at around 16 miles an hour. And again, uh, there is a possibility as we head over the Gulf Stream that we could pick up a little more punch to it and it could become a bigger storm than it is right now. Question is, of course, where is that eye going to land in Florida? And of course, that's something we cannot tell at this point in time. That was the coverage from WSVN. By Sunday, Andrew had turned into a Category 5, the strongest on the Saffir-Simpson wind scale with 175 mile per hour winds. Andrew was a powerful hurricane looking like a buzzsaw on satellite imagery. But despite its strength, it was small and compact in size. The Bahamas was in the crosshairs. WSVN reporter Michael Williams was in the path of the storm. 
He spoke to then anchor Rick Sanchez. Good morning, Rick. I am in the Bahamian Meteorological Office with the director, Ken Lightborn. We're at the airport here at Nassau, where they are monitoring, with the help of the National Hurricane Center in Coral Gables, the path of Andrew, which, according to what we're being told, has moved, of course, west, but also a bit south of west. Originally, they thought the brunt of the storm would be over Great Abaco Island, but now more of the brunt of the storm may indeed come across New Providence Island, which, of course, is home to Nassau. Even though Andrew was bearing down on the islands, few people were taking it seriously. Now, Rick, I've repeated one theme throughout since I came to the Bahamas yesterday to help track this storm, and that is that there seems to be a very complacent attitude about preparation for the storm. People simply did not believe that it was going to hit here. I am with Ken Lightborn. Then, National Hurricane Center Director Bob Sheets reported on what South Florida could experience as far as the storm surge was concerned. Well, it's a dome of water that will be centered somewhere around the center of this hurricane and the whole ocean comes up. We're talking about the whole ocean level comes up. In our case, it'll be around 10 feet, maybe 12 feet somewhere in Biscayne Bay, some of those areas. But that was not the worst of it. Andrew had intensified. Uh, it's a little stronger now. The uh, pressure's dropped and so the winds are coming up and we'll probably have a Category 4 hurricane as soon as we analyze the wind field here. By now, the Bahamas began taking the threat more seriously. Once again, Michael Williams. I'm afraid the preparation has been very haphazard to date, but better late than never. People at least now seem to be paying attention. So we'll batten down the hatches and we'll stay on the phone lines with you throughout the day and the night. South Floridians began to worry. Both Miami-Dade and Broward opened their emergency management centers. Here's former WSVN anchor Kelly Mitchell. Well, emergency operations centers in South Florida are up and running, and that is the important thing. The people in charge, they're mapping out evacuation plans. They are manning the rumor control hotline. We've got live reports for you from both Dade and Broward. So let's start first Some with South Floridians began to take notice as evacuation orders were issued. Derek Hayward, former WSVN reporter, had the latest. If you're east of Biscayne Boulevard, anywhere near the coastline, they've already said it's time to evacuate and get the heck out and start aiming for one of the shelters that we, we are showing you periodically on the screen at Channel 7. And the authorities were right in implementing evacuation orders. The latest advisory had come in and the system was still holding on to Category 4 intensity. So now the new coordinates take this about, uh, well, the sustained winds are still 150 miles an hour, so. But across South Florida, the sun was shining brightly on a beautiful weekend. Again, Kelly Mitchell. We're not sure if people are taking this very seriously, but they should be because the crunch will come later tonight. It is sunny now. Everybody thinks, hey, we'll get in the last few rays before this thing hits because it'll be days before we see the sun. But you really have to move and move quickly. Broward County was also dealing with its own set of evacuation orders as the final landfall of Andrew seem to be around the Miami-Dade Broward County line. If this storm is as bad as everyone says it's going to be, we could see five feet of standing water in downtown Fort Lauderdale, which is where we are. We're on the fourth floor of the government center. All of the folks you're looking at plan on sleeping here tonight. They brought sleeping bags, pillows. They're simply working on 12-hour shifts, 24 hours round the clock. They plan on staying here themselves. They don't plan on going anywhere. So the word is, if you haven't gotten out and you live east of I-95, do get out now even a sunday afternoon faded into night the national hurricane center was still thinking a dual county strike 
Well, the center of the hurricane will likely uh, pass over somewhere in the Dade-Broward area. That's the highest likelihood, maybe slightly north into Palm Beach. Between, oh, uh, around 8, 8 a.m., maybe uh, 10 a.m., uh, the extreme uh, effects of this hurricane will be felt from probably 4 a.m. to about noon. WSVM forecaster Jillian Barbary showed how close the Eye of Andrew was to South Florida. There is the clearly defined eye. This is a very tight and powerful system moving west. The newest coordinates, let's pull them up because, folks, it is a little bit closer to home. At last account, it was 330 miles, now 280. And keep in mind, it's 280 miles away from the eye of the hurricane. Extending outward from the eye are tropical storm winds that back speeds of 80 or I should say 80 miles or 85 miles outside of the eye. So again, we are going to feel the brunt of the system long before the eye. By nightfall on the 23rd, Andrew went ashore across the Lutheran in the Bahamas as a Category 5 with 160 mile per hour winds. It left the northwestern Bahamas a bit weaker with winds back down to 150. That was a Category 4. But it was short-lived. Andrew re-intensified over the warm waters of the Gulf Stream current and stayed on a westerly course, aiming for southern Miami-Dade County. On August 24th, Andrew struck Elliott Key as a Category 5 hurricane with 165 mile per hour winds. About half hour later, it slammed into Homestead. At that time, Andrew was the most intense hurricane to strike the United States and the strongest to hit South Florida since the Labor Day hurricane of 1935. No one could imagine what happened next. The clock on the, on the um, oven still says a quarter to three. That's when the electricity went out. And then we started to hear the hurricane come and we were all together huddled in a bedroom. Severe weather can strike any time. And when it does, Seven's got you covered. 24-7. We'll see storms developing. We have a long line of rainfall here. We are the storm station. Seven News. It was a night of hellish winds, tornadoes, rain, and storm surge. Many across South Miami-Dade County felt as if the sky came crashing down on them. At first, there was shock and disbelief to see where homes once stood, now there was only a barren landscape. Sadness began to sink in. This was the WSVN news coverage of the aftermath. Rick Sanchez reporting live from Homestead where the Kent City is on the, on the um, oven still says a quarter to three. That's when the electricity went out. And then we started to hear the hurricane come. And we were all together huddled in a bedroom. And then uh, the last part of the storm was the most horrendous thing in the world. I just couldn't believe it. It was so pitch dark. And the sound sounded like an animal was coming and trying to get into the house. I was so frightened. It was terrible. And it was funny. There was a telephone next to me in the bedroom. And I picked up the phone and I dialed my mother. Mm -hmm. I dialed Long Island, and I got my mother, and I stayed. I think of it, I could start to cry. I um, started to talk to my mother, and I stayed on the phone with my mother for two hours. And thank God was with me, I swear, I felt him in the room. I knew that we were going to be all right. 
But it wasn't just the emotional toll of losing a home. Friends and families of those in the impacted area tried frantically to reach each other for a welfare check. It was almost impossible. Kelly Mitchell with the story. Lots of us missing roofs and walls, thanks to Andrew, but many of us missing something a lot more important, people. There are still friends and relatives out there somewhere unaccounted for in all this mess. His location you don't know, but you know a phone number. That's why Metro-Dade police set up four phone lines, just so people can reach out and find someone. Um, we're getting calls from all over the country looking for people that they haven't heard from yet. You got one right now? Yes. Metro did locator service. Karen Fleischer, may I help you? They answer in English. They answer in Spanish. Eso es lo que usted trying to find out as much as they can about the person who's missing. They've had this setup open since 7 o'clock in the morning, but these are the calls that they have had in just one hour. These are all people that somebody doesn't know where they are, so these guys are going to go look for them. Someone will check out every request as long as the person hasn't been heard from since the storm hit. But it's still not easy to find people. It's oftentimes when the officer is out there responding to that location, the people are out finding food, foraging, fixing up their residences, and they're out shopping for plywood and all the necessities of life. And the officer is on to lo locate them on the scene. And sometimes people have already moved. They moved into Broward County or the northern part of Dade County with friends or someone else that's relocated presently. So the vast majority of these people we don't think are really dead. We just think they just are out of pocket somewhere. Very true. Uh, we haven't found any, any particular occasion where someone is deceased. Kelly Mitchell, Channel 7 News. When it was all said and done, Hurricane Andrew slammed deep southern Miami-Dade County as a Category 5 with 165-mile-per-hour winds gusting to 174. Up to that point, it was the most destructive hurricane to ever hit the state. It destroyed over 63,000 houses, damaged more than 120,000 others, with a total $27.3 billion in damages. Unfortunately, it left 65 people dead. The best app from the best weather team is right here. Seven's Hurricane Tracker app. Get the latest forecast models. My Seven weather blog. And of course, Seven's cone on your phone. It's yours free from the Storm Station, Seven News. This has been a special edition of Weather or Not. Our next episode drops August 30th. This has been Chief Meteorologist Phil Farrow. This podcast is produced by the Seven Weather Team. Original music by Chris Crane, with technical support by Stephen Sehas. Thank you for listening to Weather or Not. <laughs>